You're listening to Rhonda Spaziani on Spaz on Health with GreenInkRadio.com. Hello, this is Rhonda Spaziani on Spaz on Health with Green Ink Radio. And today's guest is Colette Lopane Capella. She's from New Day Vitality Psychotherapy in Westchester and the Bronx, New York. I'd like to introduce Colette. Thank you, Colette, for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. Thank you for having me on your show. And today, the title of the show is Therapist's Talk. I'm a therapist and Colette's a therapist, but she has very different specialty areas than I do. And so it's going to be really fun. I never get to interview a therapist. My first time. You're my very first therapist to interview, Colette. Oh, I'm lucky. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to just talk a little bit about what is your background in training in therapy? Sure. So I actually am a graduate of Iona College. I went there for undergrad um, and I got a dual bachelor's in social work and psychology. Mm -hmm. And then I graduated there and then I became a licensed mental health counselor in New York State and actually in Connecticut as well. (laughs) Oh, awesome. So how long have you been in your practice for? So I, my, my private practice has been open for about three years. Mm-hmm. I've been working in the field for quite longer than that, but my practice officially opened about three years ago. What made you go out in, on your own into your own private practice? Were you working for a larger organization prior to that? Yes. So that's a great question. Yes. I worked for a lot of local organizations, big organizations. I really loved the work I did there, but my dream and my goal was to eventually open up a private practice. And it was very exciting. It was a big step and something that I always wanted to do and kind of have my own model. And so um, I did that about three years ago and it was probably one of the best steps of my life, getting married. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Did you recently get married? I saw some beautiful wedding pictures. Is that relatively recent? Yes, we got married February 17, 2017. Oh, congratulations. You're newlywed. You're in your first year. Yes, we're in our first year. It's very exciting. It's, I always say I think that the two biggest things that I've done in my life that made me the happiest was definitely opening up my private practice and then getting married to the love of my life. Oh, that's wonderful. What great things to happen. And yeah. so you did the practice first and then you got the marriage. And I, mm-hmm. yeah, it is so wonderful being in your own private practice. If for nothing else, for being able to decorate your own space, right? <laughs> Oh, my God, exactly. Yeah, that was exciting in itself. <laughs> That's true. Yes, and I've seen the pictures, and your practice looks beautiful, very well yes, decorated. Thank you. Thank you. I went for a very then calming type of look. It's modern, but it kind of has like that old sort of barny feel at the same time, like a like an old rustic barn. It's it's really cool. It's very calming. We have a lot of water fountains. We have a lot of zen-like items. I have like my Buddhas and stuff like that. So it's a really, it's a really nice calming atmosphere. Yeah, it really looks, it looks really beautiful. And so can I ask you if you practice out of two different offices? Yes. Okay. So I have an office in Larchmont, New York, which is in Westchester. And then I also share an office in the Bronx, New York. Wow. So the one in Larchmont is your own, is private, and then you share space in Bronx? Yes, in the Bronx, exactly. And how far is the Bronx from Larchmont? I'm sorry, I don't know my New York geography. No, that's fine. It's actually, so it's really close. It's really nice. So the Larchmont location is probably about 9 to 12 minutes away from the Bronx location. Oh, wow. So fairly close. Wow. Yeah. Do you, do you drive in or do you take public transit or how does it work? So I drive in, but there is public transport. There is actually a train station right next to the Larchmont location and the highways are all fairly close. So, you know, whether I'm meeting client at the Larchmont location, or the Bronx location, it really is a quick straight uh, shoot to the other office. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. So do you see clients, do you ever see like the same client, but in separate, in the different offices? Um, I've done that before in the past. 
now. I've typically seen most of my clients in the Larchmont location, although I still have some in the Bronx location as well, just because it's more convenient. You know, they might live in the area, they might be getting out of work, you know, fairly close to the time that we're meeting. So it's just a little bit more convenient for them. Wow. That's awesome. So do you see different, like for clients that you see in the Bronx and clients you see in Larchmont, do you see any different issues or are they all the same? Um, it's all fairly the same. So I do individual group couples and family therapy. I do run the groups that I, I have in the Larchmont location just because it's a bigger space. Mm-hmm. And I specialize in anxiety, depression, ADHD, and eating disorders. So most of my clients kind of fall within that umbrella. I do do a free consultation phone call prior to meeting just to ensure that it's a good fit. And would they call the 752-4759 number? To make that appointment? Is that sure? Um, I also have uh, the 914-715-0719. Okay, so it's 914 is the prefix, 752 715 715-0719. Okay, so if you want to contact Colette for an appointment, and you do remote counseling as well, I understand, correct? Like through Skype or FaceTime or something? Yes, so through DoxyMe, it's a HIPAA compliant system where we can actually do, it's like a, it seems like a video chat, like a FaceTime, Skype-like session. And a lot of times, most insurances, I mean, a lot of insurances do cover it, some don't. So usually that's out of network. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so your insurance would not cover that unless it specifically says so. You have to look that up yourself. Okay. Yeah, some insurances cover it, some don't. I would say Empire definitely does, Cigna does. A lot of them do, but some don't. So most of the time that is for out-of-network clients, and it's never the initial session. So the initial session is always face-to-face in person. Talking about that, what does your initial intake for someone that hasn't gone or just maybe would like to know specifically how you do do it, what does your initial intake session kind of look like? So the first session, I always say, usually the first three sessions. So the first session, we go through all the forms. It would be like HIPAA, confidentiality, mm-hmm. all like any other doctor's office. And I kind of talk through all of those forms with the clients mm-hmm. to ensure that there's, you know, all questions are answered. There's no blank spaces. And then what we do is we start the intake assessment, which is basically historical overview of the current and past concerns. So I know what's going to be the best therapeutic approach to help. And like I, I usually say, it's usually the first three sessions. Sessions, give or take to complete the intake assessment. So you do a full biopsychosocial assessment and look at the client very holistically, like what's going on currently, exactly. historically. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I always tell people, I feel like therapy really does start the first session you come in. So whether, you know, the first session, sometimes it takes people a little bit longer. We're going through the form or we're starting the intake assessment. I mean, it's really building that trust and rapport with the client. They're getting to know me. I'm getting to know them. We start to talk about some areas of concern, some topics that are important for them that they want to discuss. I always say, you know, whether we're starting the intake or the forms, I mean, therapy really begins the first session you come in. I noticed you're a solution-focused therapist. So what does that look like? Are you looking at a shorter-term kind of turnaround and relationship? Or I know everything's individualized, but is that kind of your goal is to not have someone in therapy forever? Yeah, yeah. I always say, so it's kind of unique and everybody's on a different journey. So I I never like to put like a set time frame Mm -hmm. on the sessions or how long it's going to be. We kind of just let it happen and flow organically. But I guess the goal is to not be in therapy for your entire life. (laughs) period of time that you need that support, right? Or that resource. But I do have some clients, you know, that it's been ongoing for Mm -hmm. quite some time. And we've talked about and discussed 
perhaps, you know, moving forward and, and meeting less often, maybe less frequently. So instead of weekly, it might be bi-weekly or three weeks monthly. But the goal is to, you know, to eventually uh, end the therapy as long as the client is feeling confident and comfortable with that as well. So I always like to think of it as graduation, <laughs> that, you've graduated, yeah. that you've met your treatment goals. I've always tried to think about like, I, I want to come up with like, like almost like a something celebratory to give someone when they feel like they're, you know, in a place where they don't need continue with mm-hmm. therapy at that time, like almost like a graduation, like maybe a candy bar or something that says congratulations or something, but I've never come up with that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that would be a great idea. And, you know, I sometimes have mixed feelings about that. So, you know, if, if I think, okay, so it looks like we've met all our goals and the progress has been consistent and we're really in a great place, I'll kind of bring up that conversation. So do you think it's time that we meet less often or if we kind of move forward from this? And sometimes people have mixed feelings and they're like, mm-hmm. nope, I'm not ready. You know, yes. whether I've met all my goals, you know, <laughs> I still want the support. I still like coming here, having this like healthy outlet to be able to engage in conversations, you know, it's out of their their personal lives, it's non-judgmental. So a lot of people want to continue therapy despite that we might have met all our goals, so we might sort of work on those goals further to tweak them and improve them, or we might set a new set of goals. Yes, yes. It's, that's mm-hmm. kind of interesting when, when clients do want to stay and continue the therapeutic relationship. When you, you, Sometimes you think, well, they're doing really well. You know, they really don't necessarily, yeah. quote unquote, need to come anymore, but they really want to. So that becomes like a want-based rather than a need-based relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And sometimes, you know, depending on the time frame of this one, when this occurs, there could be other things that are kind of going on in their life for changes that maybe when they first came in for the first session wasn't an area of concern and it's kind of developed and changed into something that they feel they want to work on at this time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's so interesting. So I looked on your site as well. I'm kind of a voyeur of your site and I noticed you have some really cool support groups. Can we talk about that for a minute? Sure, of course. So of I, course. you have, at least on your site, and maybe that, you know, sometimes that's fluid and it changes a little bit more before the, you know, the site gets updated, but it looks like you have a teens girls support group and a grief support group mm-hmm. for adults. And the one that really spoke to me being the animal lover that I am was the pet loss support group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are those ongoing? So actually in the background, yeah, they're ongoing. And in the background right now, you guys might hear some dogs barking. <laughs> <laughs> Two are therapy dogs. One isn't, so she's usually fighting with the other two. So you might hear some, some squeaks in the background. But yeah, the pet loss, I myself as well am a true animal lover and advocate. They are, you know, I always say like they're not animals. They're a family. They're part of our lives. And they play such a major mm-hmm. role. And the loss of a pet can be really significant. You know, I've gone through it myself personally. And it was it was, you know, equivalent to me to losing a loved one, you know, to losing a family member. Absolutely. And that's what it was for me. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's really, really compassionate for, of you to offer that support group. And do you get a lot of people coming to that support group? Initially, I did. I had a lot of clients. Now it's not as, as many as it was originally when I first began the group. Mm-hmm. But it is a really nice group and a really nice, safe place to be at be able to kind of process through the feelings of the loss and, you know, how life has changed and, and where we're going from here and, and just the beautiful memories that they have with their, their animals and their pets. I mean, it's just, it really is. A, it was one of my favorite, favorite group probably of all time. And when I initially started and I had a lot more members, that was probably one of the, the best groups that I think that I've ever run. Wow. I love it. I love it. And then yeah. you do also, you have an ongoing teen girls support group and, a, and an adult grief support group, correct? Yes. 
So the teen girl support group, there's different age ranges. So some of it's preteen, some of it's teen. And we talk about a whole bunch of different things. So sometimes in the preteen, it might be like bullying that we might have a discussion about because obviously nowadays that's become pretty, pretty big. So that's something we talk about, you know, what, what's bullying safety? What does it mean? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to the group? A lot of self-esteem, transitions, family relationships, friends relationships, so many different topics that fall into that and that group is really that's a good fun group too it's very interactive so a lot of times we'll do like role play and skits and like so if this person is bullying you or this is going on like how do you react what do you do it's a really nice group and it's very hands-on to be able to establish like like how do I get out of this place where I feel a little stuck you know somebody's bullying me what do I do and And we all work together as a group yeah. And I bet you it's really supportive for them to see that others are going through the same thing. Exactly. Exactly. So you're not alone. Like, right. So you might feel like you might have been alone at a point, but other people have been going through similar situations or the same situations. It's so calming and, and stress relieving knowing, okay, like someone else is here. Somebody else gets it. Somebody under, understands where I am or what I'm feeling. So awesome that you provide that. And then do you feel that that's spiked because of social media and, the, and those type of easy ways for people to target and bully people? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. So originally when I started the group, it was because of that reason. Like there was just so much going on with social media and bullying over the internet and all things that were occurring. And I thought to myself, like, what could I do to help to make a change, to make a difference here? Like what what kind of support could I provide? And I thought, what well, better idea to kind of run a group with these girls so they can really be hands-on knowing that, you know, one part, they're not alone. This is happening, you know, kind of across the board and that there is support, there is help. And, and there's ways to kind of go through this and not be affected, unfortunately, the way that some are when they feel like their support isn't there. And the support is always there. It really is. It's always there. And a lot of times it's like, how do you ask for that support? Who do you go to? What do you do? And so do they make friends amongst themselves in the support group that then ends up kind yeah. of strengthening, you know, their resiliency and... Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of the groups, like, so I ran a couple different groups. Some of the groups, the girls kind of all knew each other already oh. and they were all friendly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was, which was really cool dynamic to see. Mm-hmm. And then in other groups, it was just girls that had, they've never met each other. They were from different towns. They were from different areas and they just always ran really smoothly, really organically, really nice. I mean, and the girls love the group. Excellent. <laughs> they love them. Excellent. And then yeah. the- and then to move on to the the last and final group that you have listed was the grief support adult group. Is that still ongoing? And can you talk a little bit about what that's like? Sure. So a lot of it, I have one for actually, so teens, a grief support group and one for adults. Oh, okay. I didn't realize um, you had a teen one too. Yeah. So in the area that I'm in, Larchmont, probably a couple of years ago, there was a passing of, of an adolescent mm-hmm. and it really affected a lot of the community, very much so. I had always had the adult support group for bereavement and for grief. And I thought, well, I don't know of any teen groups, you know, so this is something that's definitely needed. And then the community was just really advocating this was something that was needed. So I started those groups as well. A lot of times we do talk about like the seven steps of grief and like, what does that mean? And where are you? What are you sitting at right now? And how do we process through this? Oh, that's awesome. And, and so they then are able to 
to see that, you know, it's, it's not linear, that there's not, they're not grieving in a wrong way or there's no right or wrong way to grieve. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, that's so amazing that you bring that up because that's a big thing. So somebody's like, you know, this person passed away two months ago. I'm still so sad. This isn't normal. Why am I feeling this way? And I'm like, no, it's the opposite. Like we want to validate your feelings. It's okay to sit with your feelings. Like we don't want to sit with it forever because that's where it takes the negative turn. But I want you to be able to express your emotions, validate your feelings and understand that, you know, everybody grieves in different ways and there's no right or wrong way or where you should be. You know, it's just kind of your way and how you're processing through it. And I think having that support is so essential for so many people. It truly is. It truly is. And I I noticed that a lot of people, their their internal self-talk is very negative about grieving. They're very judgmental about that. They don't feel like they're moving forward quick enough. And that is just like an imposed societal kind of ridiculous timeline. There's no right or wrong way to grieve. You just don't want to get so that sit in it so it becomes a complicated grief where it becomes really hard to kind of get sticky, you know? Exactly, exactly. And the same thing with animals. So like I've had people, you know, in those, the, the pet loss support group who come in and they're like, my family's like, get over it. It was a dog. And I'm like, oh God, I cringe. No, <laughs> that's <laughs> not it. Dog. That's not it. Hang on here. Yeah. yeah. And you, when you hear that, I mean, you cringe, but that's the reality. You know, members of that group, they might be hearing this. This is what's feeding into, you know, their internal talk. Like, oh, they're saying it was a dog. I should be over it. Right. And that's not the reality. The shoulds, autos, statements that mm-hmm. bind us. In addition to your wonderful groups, you said you have some specialty areas of anxiety, depression, eating disorders, and I think you said ADHD too? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So can you talk to mm-hmm. me a little bit about, like, for instance, anxiety? What modalities do you find sort of work really well with that population? Sure. So I use sort of in conjunction with CBT and DBT, so Mm -hmm. cognitive behavioral therapy Mm -hmm. and dialectic behavioral therapy. A lot of times we do a lot of relaxation exercises, progressive muscle relaxation, calming tools, healthy coping skills, and that's a huge thing, right? You kind of, you've evolved into this anxiety and it's become so big that it's affecting so many areas of your life. And we totally forget that we even have healthy coping skills. So we're just like jumping with whatever it is. We're going with the negative coping skills. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, it's really enforcing those healthy coping skills. What are they? How can we use them and how are they beneficial? Excellent. And as far as the eating disorders, what modalities do you use with the eating disorders? So I think it really depends on each person and where they are. Mm-hmm. So when it, whether it's bulimia nervosa or anorexia nervosa, sometimes a combination, you know, linking them with the right resources. So a lot of times I work with nutritionists because it might just be like, I thought that I was only supposed to eat this box a day. And really, maybe it's supposed to be a different amount, you know, for your body type. I also work with a psychiatrist most often as well. And a lot of times I do use the DBT and CBT as well. With the eating disorders as well. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so can, can you share what DBT sort of looks like for people? Sure. So DBT, it's a oh, amazing there's a lot of mindfulness there Mm -hmm. really like that that component of like slowing it all down like right here right now where are we and a lot of people worry so much about the future and the what if and I always say well that's not the reality right it's not here it hasn't happened yet so we're focusing on something that hasn't even occurred so let's slow it all down like why are where are we right now and why are we here And how can we change what we're sitting with right now? And a lot of times, you know, talking about that social media again, they're tremendously affected by social media. So 
there's these portraits of what you're supposed to look like, what your weight's supposed to be, you know, what, what, what the external parts of you are supposed to be. And a lot of times they're not valid in reality as well. So going into that conversation, so like, what, what are your expectations on yourself? What are you supposed to look like? And a lot of people say, oh, well, I'm supposed to look like Kim Kardashian. I'm like, wait, hang on. <laughs> Kim Kardashian doesn't know. look like Kim Kardashian. Exactly. She's so, so, uh, and stuff. exactly. So then you start going into that conversation. Well, her job is to have this perfect body. So what does she have? She's got, you know, all these doctors, all these nutritionists that are around her 20. That's her full-time job. So is that reality? Is that like the expectation that should be for every person? No, not at all. So kind of opening up those conversations where a lot of people are like, wow, I never thought of it like that. Like, wow, you're right. Maybe, maybe that isn't what, and how are you happy with yourself? Like, that's the biggest thing, right? Internally, like what makes you happy? What makes you flourish? Mm. And going into that as well. Yeah. The whole flourishment. I love that. I love that as an approach. How do you flourish? Mm. It's awesome. Yeah. Like, how do we work with you? Like, let's, let's X out all this social media, all these celebrities, what, what these expectations we think are supposed to be. And I put that, you know, in quotes, like supposed to be, like it's not. And how do we work with where you are? Like, what makes you happy? What, what, where are your areas of concern? What are you not happy with? And how can we change it? And a lot of times it's a lot deeper than the body image. Yeah. And in that same vein, do you have certain modalities you like to work with in depression and other one of your specialty areas? So I think a lot of times, most of the time, my therapeutic approach is DBT and CBT in a combination mm -hmm. of both. Mm -hmm. And really kind of depending on where the person is and what's going on, you know, trying to connect as like a holistic approach, like you had said before, like the mind, body and soul. So like what is going on? What's happening? Why are we at this place? And, you know, it could be thousands of reasons mm -hmm. why we're kind of at this place at this time. It could be the workplace. It could be family relationships. It could be significant others mm -hmm. and kind of going into those conversations and opening it up to kind of figure out like what can we change? Like what can we develop into something that's more positive? Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Great mm -hmm. strategy. And then you work also, and then the final issue that we'll talk about in reference to your specialty areas is the ADHD. And so do you use the CBT and DBT for that as well? Or do you do more mindfulness or? Probably a little bit more mindfulness, just trying to kind of slow it all down. And then most of the time, if someone um, has ADHD, your ADD, I'm also working with the psychiatrist and they're creating a medication regimen that's going to be beneficial as well. I think that a psychiatrist would be helpful. I have them fill out an authorization form so that it's HIPAA compliant so that I'm able to engage in conversation on what's going on in therapy so we can work together as a collaborative team. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing I'd like to talk about as we're getting close to time, and so I could talk to you all day, Colette. Yeah. I know, it's so fun, is you do, a lot, well. of, <laughs> you do a lot of speaking events I see and so do you have any upcoming or do you are you available to come to schools or what does that look like your speaking events so if it's at a high school like are we talking about self-esteem or self-confidence or bullying you know sometimes it's even like aging populations like are, are you know it, the changes that occur there like would a presentation be beneficial and I'm more than happy to come in and do that and I've more recently I've reached out to a lot of local agencies to kind of put that out there that if that's something they need I would be happy to engage in and help out wonderful and so in order to contact you they would call the number 914-752-4759 or the other one 914 715 mm -hmm. 0719. 0719. And they can also email you at vitality at clopaintherapy.com, correct? 
Mm-hmm. Or they could e- also email me at clopain at gmail.com. Sometimes and, that's a little bit easier. Okay. And it's Lopain spelled L-O-P-A-N-E. So clopaintherapy.com yep. or at gmail.com. And you can also find her on Facebook under New Day Vitality Psychotherapy. And you have a website as well. Oh, and a blog. Mm-hmm. Oh, we didn't even talk about your wonderful blog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I am, I have, there's a lot there. Yeah, no, no worries. I have a blog. I have the Facebook page. I have an Instagram. I saw that. So you just started a podcast as well. And so how can they, they tune into your podcast? Sure. Easiest way to my website. CeeloPainTherapy.com. Sure. Yep. And then if you scroll all the way to the bottom of the page, mm-hmm. um, no matter what page you're on, there's icons that you can actually click on right there. And it could take you to the Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitter, and also the new podcast. And so when did you start your podcast? So I started the podcast about two weeks ago. It's gone public probably about a week ago really fun. Yeah. <laughs> Just like this. It's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I've done some mindfulness on there, some breathing exercises, some progressive muscle relaxation. I even did an episode of like finding the right therapist because a lot of people have said that to me, like I've been on a search. How do I find the right therapist? Like who's the right therapist? So I go through some helpful thoughts and tips on that as well. And eventually what I'd like to do is have some other colleagues come on as well. Oh, awesome. And so the podcast is New Day Vitality. Yep, and that's on Anchor. And it's also available on iTunes and uh, Google as well. Oh, great. Mm -hmm. And then there's also your beautiful blog, and there's some great articles on there. They range from relationships to self-esteem to happiness. You're a busy girl, Colette. (laughs) very busy yes I am very busy kind of doing it all I love it all I really am so passionate of my work and what I do and you know I always say that you know if you're working and you're doing something that you love you're never actually working and that's exactly how I feel so it's a blessing I agree I agree when you're passionate and the creative juices are flowing it's all fun it's not work and it's, exactly. exactly. It's joyful. I want to thank you again for coming on. We're honored to have you on Spaz on Health. And don't forget to look up New Day Vitality Psychotherapy on Facebook, on the web, on Psychology Today. Listen to her fabulous podcast and read her great articles on her blog. And if you want to schedule an appointment, you can do that remotely or in person if you're in New York. And thank you so much again, Colette. Well, thank you so much. It was such an honor talking to you. I really like this. This is very enjoyable, so I appreciate it. And I appreciate you coming on. And thank you all for tuning in to Spaz on Health on GreenAcRadio.com. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Rhonda on Spaz on Health. Tune into GreenAcRadio.com to rock your best life.